I said what a difference a year makes, but what a difference three days makes. What a difference three days makes in the lives of all of humanity and of all of the universe. Cancel culture. I didn't, you didn't realize I was going to be talking about cancel culture today, did you? I mean, this is the new trend that's been permeating and circulating our news and talk and uh, politics. Cancel culture is a euphemism that means to ostracize people either right socially or in the professional circles or politically, whether it be online, which is the favorite way of doing it, traditional media or in person, we'd like to uh, cancel people as well. Cancel culture has been known by many things. Under the Obama years, he called it the call-out culture. Or previous to that, it's culture wars that we've talked about, this idea of boycotting or individuals or ideas, trying to, to squash them or make them be quiet, canceling someone or something. The expression is mostly used in terms of debate of censorship and free speech. But, and cancel culture, I just want you to understand, is not limit to a political wing or a certain type of person We all want to cancel people. It's who we are. It's how we are, you and I work in this world. It's it's actually, I think, is a term just on a very real level that's a way that Satan wants to work in this world, where he wants to use you and I and our desires to to squash each other, to to defend ourselves, to, to cancel other people. This is not a sermon about cancel culture. I just want to let you know, this is not a sermon where I'm going to rant or rave about cancel culture, because that's not who I am, nor as much what I care about. But I want to use this idea of cancel culture as a metaphor today, a metaphor for our human nature and the gift of the gospel to us. This is on a side note, if you are worried about cancel culture, here's what I have to say. Today in America, there is no other time in human history where you have more free speech than today. That's just a fact. You could be worried about things coming in that might squash that, but there is no other time in human history where you and I or any individual can speak more freely than this moment right now. So those that are freaking out about cancel culture, relax. relax. Freak out about your human nature, that you want to cancel people. That's what should be upsetting to you. Cancel culture is a term that we, we humans, right? we actually have created cultures, all cultures, that want to cancel people, that want to harm people, that want to take vengeance on others. Yes, sweet revenge we want, don't we? Sweet revenge. You and I are inheriting a condition in ourselves where we want to cancel others, and that's what we call sin. This idea of depravity that we want to harm and hurt others. We want to harm and cancel others that harm and hurt us, that insult us, that criticize us, that doubt us. We want to cancel those people. We want to cancel people that get things that we don't think they deserve. We want to cancel people that get things that we think we deserve and they get. We want to cancel people because they are canceling us. It doesn't stop, does it? We want to cancel others because we want justice for ourselves. It's easy for us to see the injustice that happens to us. 
But when it happens to someone else, it's a little harder for us to see. Last week I talked about we have a hard time recognizing our own injustice. We have a hard time recognizing our own unrighteousness or the idea that we actually want to cancel people, that we want to harm them. We even want to actually harm those that are actually closest to us at times. All of that reveals there is a deep brokenness about you and I, a deep wickedness about you and I. And the reality is, in this cancel culture, this, this, this identity that we have, we lack grace and we lack mercy for others and for ourselves. And this cancel culture, it's not just in the world, it's in the church. It's because that's who we are. We want vengeance, we want justice, we want retribution for harm against us. We want to cancel. Last week I gave you a quote from Lloyd Ogilvie. It says, whenever the standards of justice and mercy are cast aside for personal gain, the son of man will be the victim and the judge. And, and the point of all that, what he's trying to say is, this is the reason for the cross. Because in every moment, in every day of human history, there are injustices in the world. And we ought to be upset by them. And every moment and every day, there are moments that we lack grace and we lack mercy. And all those moments, it's the reason why Jesus goes to the cross. Because there is injustice in this world. There is sin in this world. There is a lack of mercy and forgiveness. There is a lack of grace in the world. And that all puts him on the cross. And in the middle of that, what's the incredible thing? Is that that's what puts him to the cross? He is the victim of all the injustices in the world on the cross. Every injustice in the world is why he is nailed to the cross. Every lack of grace and mercy in the world is why he is on the cross. And why is that? Because he's the judge. He is the judge that has mercy and has grace. And he's granting that grace to you. He's saying, I am going to forgive you. I'm going to take on the judgment that you deserve, that everyone deserves. I'm taking that on so you don't have to because I have grace and mercy. Every moment in every human history is why the cross exists because there's injustice and there's mercy. And what happens at the cross is justice and mercy. You and I, the world canceled Jesus. The world canceled Jesus with our sin and nailed him to the cross. That's cancel culture. That is every culture and that's ever existed in human history is we want to cancel people and that's why there is the cross. Every time you and I seek vengeance, every time you and I want vengeance, every time you and I want to cancel someone, seek retribution, we cancel Jesus and nail him to the cross. Every time you and I act unjustly, every time you and I act, we sin and we live for ourselves, we cancel Jesus. Every time we lack kindness, every time we lack grace, every time we lack humility, we cancel Jesus. Since the fall, humans have been in a cancel culture and have been making cancel culture after cancel culture after cancel culture, and that includes the church. 
we're always trying to cancel God and put ourselves first. Hear the good news clearly. As we try and we do cancel Jesus with our sin, Jesus is canceling our cancel culture. Jesus has been canceled for us to cancel our canceling of others. Jesus has been canceled. He died on the cross to kill this nature within us, to kill this sin within us, to kill this desire within us. This creating these cancel cultures. This, this nature that wants to harm and hurt others. All the things that we do cancel Jesus. But in the reality, in the reality, that moment on the cross when he's being nailed and being canceled, he is actually canceling the nature in you and giving you new birth and new life. Jesus is canceling us and for good reasons. For good reasons. I mean, the, the reality is he either cancels you forever or he creates something new and ever. Kills off the old and gives you new life. That's the cross. Romans 8, 31, 33, as Bob read today, hear it again. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. No one can oppose God. No one can oppose God. That's the premise of this passage. No one can actually oppose God. And therefore, because no one can oppose God, no one can oppose us because we are in Jesus, because we have been united within Jesus at the cross. Because he has died for us. Because he's given us his life. Who can bring a charge against God's people? Who can cancel us? You're worried about being canceled? Who can cancel you? That's what this passage is saying. No one. They can try all they want. They did with Jesus. They cannot. Only God can cancel. Period. Only God can cancel. He is the one with that power. God can cancel us. And the reality is God has charged us. Bob read it today in Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's the standard in which he holds us to, to his glory, to his righteousness. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, the wages of all the things that you do in this world, the income that you get, what you deserve, is death. Is death. You deserve to be canceled. You deserve to be wiped out. But it goes on. But the free gift of God, the grace and mercy of Jesus, is eternal life in Christ, being united with him. The reason Jesus goes willingly to the cross to be canceled is because justice needs to be served. Death needs to be served. You and I deserve death, and he takes on our death. 
Jesus needs to be canceled. Because, because we need to die. Because all the actions in us, this nature in us, needs to die. And he needs to cancel us. Because of all of our canceling. It goes on in, in verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Only Jesus has the authority to cancel. And he's the one that was willing to be canceled for our sake. He was the one willing to die for our sake. He was the one that was willing to take on all of our sin on the cross for us. So the answer becomes, no one can cancel you. Because the one who can, doesn't. The one who can, takes on our canceling. And did you notice this question 35? He actually asks who. Who can separate you? And then you notice the list after it? There's no who in that list. It's a bunch of what's. Who can separate you? And never once is low who is listed because no who could ever be listed. He gives a bunch of circumstances in which happen. He says, look at I'm only the one that can cancel. And all the circumstances in your life, they don't cancel you. Only I'm the one. There's no person, there's no circumstance, there's no what that can cancel you. Only Christ. Only Jesus. And Jesus has died for us. Jesus takes on our sin. He takes on our penalty to serve universal justice. And the reality is, on that cross, you and I have to die with him. That's the point. He doesn't just die and says, oh, you're okay. No, you and I, he takes on you and I, and you and I have to die on that cross with him so that we can be resurrected, so that we can be new, so that we can be changed and transformed because you and I know that what we are right now, today, that is not good enough. If you're really honest with yourself, you're like, I'm a pretty good person, but you know deep inside that you are not good enough that you are not the righteousness of God, that you aren't perfect like him, that you aren't holy like him, because you and I know that there's moments you want to cancel others, that you want to harm others. I mean, maybe you don't do it, but you think it. We need to die. And Romans eight thirty six says this, as is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. This is a quote from Psalm 44, and it says, For God's sake, you and I are being killed, canceled, rejected all day long. It's why Jesus, he was doing it for the Father's sake. That's why he went to the cross for you and I, for the Father's sake, for the Father's glory, for our sake. Not just for the Father's, for our sake, Jesus was canceled and killed. For his sake, you and I. This is, this is the golden rule. This is what Jesus lays out in the, right, 
love me as I love you, right? Love others as you want them to love you. And so Jesus lives this out. I'm gonna love you how I want you to love me and I'm gonna lay down my life for you so that you understand what love is, which means lay down your life for me, which also means if you wanna love others, lay down your life for them. I'm not saying be the victim. That is not what Christ wants you to be because Jesus is not a victim on the cross. He goes willingly. And so you and I ought to go willingly. For his sake, our old self is killed at the cross. We are justified. We are made right. This, this alien righteousness that's given to us, this, that it doesn't belong to us, but it is given to us freely as God's gift. So when God looks at us, he sees his righteousness, Jesus' righteousness in us. We are being canceled every day. Praise God for that. Praise God that you and I are being canceled every day. Removing, God is removing the old self, this old self that wants to cancel others, and he is putting in a new self, resurrecting, defeating death. This is what Easter is about. We follow Jesus in being canceled because this is what love is. We follow Jesus in being canceled. We follow Jesus in being canceled for others. This is what love is. Romans 8, 37, 39. No, it says in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, through Christ, who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your sin, my sin, our desire to cancel others will not separate us from his love. That's the point of the cross. That's, that's why he goes, but he also goes because he knows like, that this is, we are separated. And look at anything that we do, it will not separate us. It is not your righteousness. It's not your good deeds that make you right. It's his. And he said, nothing, not even your sin. Because Jesus on the cross is willing to be canceled for your sake because he loves you in this way. Because we need to die and be canceled and we need to be resurrected to new life by his love. Did you hear that in that passage? It's his love. By his kindness, we can insert that about love. By his forgiveness, by his grace, we are united in him. And so we are more than conquerors. We can conquer every moment. Not because we can conquer it, we can conquer every circumstance, every moment that someone wants to cancel us, just as Jesus conquered the cross, so can we. Not because we have that power, but because he has that power and we are in him. That love that he has for us is no longer canceling us, but it's actually transforming us to new life. That's why we celebrate Easter. Jesus is the way. It says in John, Jesus is the way. His cross and his resurrection 
are the ways. We often think Jesus is the way, oh, his morality in which he lives his life. That's how we're supposed to copy. Yes, yes, in part, that's who we are to be. But the reality, the way, the way of Jesus every day is the cross. Is the cross. That is how he says, that's what love is, is lay down your life. And then it's through that resurrection. The cross and the resurrection are the way. They are life for us. He is life. Jesus' last words on the cross to the Father were this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, I give you everything. My whole life, it is yours. I commend, we can use it that way. I commend, I give everything to you. Every fiber of every moment and every being about me is for you. Do as you want. Jesus lived a life commending every moment to his Father. His will to his Father. He lived it every moment, not just at the cross, but laying down his life for others. Every moment, it was about living and loving others for their benefit. May we live each day according to Jesus' words on the cross. These aren't just words that we say at the end of our lives. These are words that we say today. Father, Jesus, Spirit, I commend my life to you today. It is yours. It is yours. Let me follow your way. Into your hands, I commit my life. I commit my spirit. I commit everything about me. This, this last saying that Jesus has on, is actually a quote from Psalm 31.5. And you may ask, why would we commend our spirit? Right? It says here in Th- Psalm 31.5, why would we do this? Into your hand, I commit my spirit, the psalmist says. You have redeemed me. You have redeemed. It is easy for you and I on this side of the cross. We understand Christ has redeemed us. He has forgiven us. He has given us new life. You want to know why you would commit every moment and every second of your life to him? It's because he has actually redeemed it. Because he's committed his life to you. We, we commend our lives because he has been canceled for us. Because he has canceled you and I are sin. And he has lived for us. And he's given us new life. If we're going to commend ourselves to Jesus and live for him, we must live like him, which means live for others. Jesus lived his life to be canceled for others. So they might live. So they might live. We are to live our lives to be canceled by others so that they might know him and live. I mean, don't just be canceled. Be canceled because you're living for him and that they know it. Don't do it with pride. Do it with humility and live for him. Romans 12, 9. You want to live in a... what the, the problem, I talked about cancel culture. In reality, is like the church is just to blame. We've created in our society in America the evangel. We think, oh, we've got the right culture. Have you been in a church? They're filled with just a multitude of sinners, right? Just as broken as those outside the world. There's not greater morality inside the church than outside the church. 
It's equally depraved. And so there's not a greater culture, but we have a king and a kingdom that has a greater culture. And we strive each and every day, and we may know it because God reveals it, but we strive each and every day to live that out. But we fail, don't we? And we have failed in America with our culture. But here it is. You want to be canceled for each other? You want to live your life for each other? This is what he says. You want to love people? Romans 12, 9. It says, let love be genuine. And then you might, my, this is my favorite thing. Like, I love this definition of love. The first thing it says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. The first, this word abhorred, I mean, it's word hate, right? It's just a strong word for hate. The first thing it says about love being genuine is hate. I love that. I mean, it's this contradiction of scripture, right? It's actually because hate is not the opposite of love. You need to hate the right thing, hate evil. Hate evil. Abhor it. Abhor it in your life. Let your love be genuine. Hold fast to what is good. Let love, your love be real and it be tangible for people. So how, do you, how does one hate evil? Is it by taking revenge on evil? Is it by taking revenge on people that harm you? Is it by canceling them? Or canceling those that might cancel others or cancel you? No. Read the verse in verse 13, 21. This, this, is, this is what Christ does on the cross. This is the culture of the kingdom and the character of our king. You want your love to be genuine to do this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be glad in those that receive things that you don't have. Weep with those that weep. Grieve with anyone who's in grief. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Right? Don't ever think too much of yourself. This is what it's saying. It's like, realize, right? We, the scripture doesn't talk about that we are all equal. He doesn't say, hey, live in a, a symmetrical relationship with people. It says live in an asymmetrical relationship. I mean, live in that you think everyone is better than you. Because God himself, who is better than everyone, came down to this earth, became you and I, and did not consider himself equal to God or even equal to us, he considered us more worthy, so he laid down his life for us. So we don't ever consider ourselves equal. We consider ourselves everyone is greater than us. And so we're willing to serve everyone, even those that persecute us and harm us, because that's what Jesus does. In verse 17, repay no, one, no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, all right, it's, it's a side note, right? So it's not always possible because sometimes people are not going to be peaceable with you. It doesn't mean don't be peaceable with them because you can't fix that relationship at times. But you, as long as it depends on you, you be peaceable, you be honorable, you be kind, you be forgiving. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, 
but leave it to the wrath of God. Another way you could quite clearly say, never avenge yourself, leave it to the cross. Because if you decide you want to cancel someone, if you decide you want to avenge yourself, what you're saying, hey, that cross is not sufficient, I need to do some more work in your life. I need to take some more wrath in your life. I need to punish you. What Jesus did was not sufficient. Don't ever say that. Woe be the one who says that. For it is written, God says, for vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You will condemn him and hopefully bring him to Christ. Bring him to love. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemy, if the person wants to cancel you, the response is not to cancel them back. The response is to be kind and gracious and forgiving. Feed them. Feed them. Give them water. Pray for them. Care for them. Rejoice with them. Weep with them. Bless them. This is what Christ does for us. Romans 5.10, right? Jesus died for us on the cross, not why we were saying, hey, we like you. It's why we were direct enemies with him. Why we were hostile to him. Why we were deep in sin. Jesus laid down his life and was willing to be canceled for us. Jesus was canceled for us because he once canceled our sin. And he lavished forgiveness upon us. He lavished his righteousness upon us. Not because we earned it, because we needed it. It's, it's a forgiveness and grace and mercy and a righteousness that's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. We don't think in terms of to do this in our life, but this is how Jesus is, and it's the character in which he is working in us through the Spirit to grow into us. We are called not to take vengeance, not to take revenge, not to fight tit for tat. Brothers and sisters, as Christ loved you, as Christ forgave you, so we are to call to love our enemies. And we are called to forgive our enemies. And we are called to give to our enemies. We are not called to cancel anyone. We are not called to cancel the cancelers. We are called to follow Jesus. And be canceled for them. Not to be victims. I I hope you don't hear that, right? Don't be a victim. Jesus is not a victim. He He is one that graciously gives of himself. He is he is a mighty conqueror, and so are we in this world that wants to cancel everything and everyone. The reality is no one can be against us. No one. Because Jesus is for us. And he died for us. No one can ever cancel us. It might seem like at the pits of despair, it might seem like it can't be. I don't know what the circumstances of your life are. But listen, 
no one can separate you from his love because he has been canceled for us. We commend ourselves to God to bless others, not to harm them, not to cancel them, but to bless them. Like Jesus, we commend ourselves because we want people, we don't want to be against people, we want to be for people. We want to be for our enemies. We want to live out radical forgiveness, radical grace, radical kindness, and not vengeance. And, and maybe you need to start with yourself. Maybe you need to start with radical kindness and forgiveness with yourself. But it needs to permeate throughout your life to others. What Jesus is talking about, this is countercultural. This is the way of who God is. And it makes sense. If we're all in sin, it makes sense that he is going to be different. And he's going to enter in and show us a different way. This is the gospel for us. Let our lives point to the gospel of Jesus. Let our lives point to those around us, the gospel of Jesus. Even those that attempt to harm us, even those that attempt to hurt us and to cancel us, let us point to his grace and to his forgiveness. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? All through Lent we sang this hymn, and alas, my Savior did bleed for me. Alas, my Savior was canceled for me. Alas, my Savior canceled my sin. Who can separate me? Who can separate you? No one. No one. Because alas, my Savior still arose. He was resurrected. He defeated all the canceling. He defeated death. And if you know the words to the next hymn that we're going to sing, alas, that Jesus arose, and alas, our Savior still has toes. Amen to that. Jesus is alive. He is alive today. And he's alive today. And he's canceling that sin in you. He's canceled it already, but he's changing you inside out, transforming to be like him and his character. Today, live out a radical forgiveness kindness and graciousness to your family, to your enemies, to everyone, to everyone, and tomorrow do the same. And I know it will be hard. I know it will be hard. Jesus knows it will be hard. Trust me, he knows it will be hard. It is not a, it is not a cheap grace. It is not a cheap kindness. It is not a cheap forgiveness. But day in and day out, he is resurrecting us, that one day we will be with him forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we cannot be canceled by anyone because you are already canceled for us. Lord, Father, we, we commend ourselves to you. We are willing to be canceled. We are willing to suffer so that others may know your love. May the truth of your love, the truth of your way, the truth of the gospel, that you died for us, your enemies. 
so that we may never be separated again from your love. That our sin and that our sin nature is canceled. And that we may enter into the resurrected life today and tomorrow. We thank you for this grace. We thank you for your love. We pray this in Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.